an abortion bombshell rocks the Herschel Walker campaign. I never asked anyone to get an abortion. I never paid for an abortion, and it's a lie. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy. We are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. If you're just listening to us for the first time, welcome. We invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode of Politically Georgia. Coming up in today's episode, the turmoil in Herschel Walker's Senate campaign, Stacey Abrams' rough week as she attempts to pivot her campaign, plus the latest moves by the leader of the Buckhead City Committee, Patricia, we have a huge announcement to make. Next Tuesday will be our first ever live taping of the Politically Georgia podcast. And you're invited. It'll be at Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta. Doors open at six. Everyone gets free appetizers and a drink ticket on us. Then you can be part of the show at 7 p.m. We'll break down the big debates, take your questions, and we will be joined by a very special guest. One of the biggest names in Atlanta politics will be with us for Politically Georgia Live at Manuel's Tavern next Tuesday evening. If you want to join us, go to live.ajc.com and scroll down until you see the Politically Georgia section or look for the link in today's episode description. That's live.ajc.com to join us for our first ever live taping of Politically Georgia at Manuel's Tavern. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Patricia, let's get right into it. A bombshell story broke on Monday. I was actually with Senator Raphael Warnock, listening to him speak as I looked at my phone and saw my alerts and my text messages start blowing up with folks who uh, very nicely <laughs> wanted to alert me to the story on the Daily Beast, documenting, according to the Daily Beast reporting, how Herschel Walker paid for an abortion from a then-girlfriend back in 2009. Um, Herschel Walker has denied that claim. Let's listen to his response to that story right now first. But I can tell you right now, I never asked anyone to get an abortion. I never paid for an abortion, and it's a lie. And I'm going to continue to fight. You know, I tell you, that's what they want. They want this seat. But right now, they've energized me even more. And they're not going to take the seat. So they better work it even harder because they've jeopardized my kids. They've jeopardized my family. They think they can threaten me. They think they can scare me. Right now, all that done is it's energized me more. Okay, so that's Herschel Walker denying these reports. Of course, the Daily Beast stands by its publication. The AJC has not been able to verify this report or or review um, some of the documents that weren't posted publicly on the Daily Beast website. Uh, But of course, we've been reporting on all the, uh, the aftermath of that of that report. 
And Patricia, this is a major deal. Before we get into the whole Christian Walker stuff, this is a major deal in, on its own because we know and we've reported for months now, even before Herschel Walker got into the race, that one of his sort of signature issues was his opposition to all abortions, even in the case of incest, rape, or the when the uh, the health of the woman, the mother, is at stake. Yes. And so for any candidate who has that position of no abortions ever at any time, and he has also just relentlessly attacked Raphael Warnock for having basically the opposite position and saying that um, a decision to have an abortion is really between a woman and her doctor and her pastor, if she has a pastor. And he is, Warnock has never articulated a particular limit. So for Walker to be so aggressive on abortion and also have this story come out that is potentially showing just a total hypocrisy on the issue is a problem. It's probably a survivable problem, but it's a problem. However, it also opened the door, as you said, to just an absolute avalanche of response from his own son, Christian. And I think that's where the trouble really starts. Yeah. And uh, you wrote such a great column on the, the personal toll that his campaign is taking on Herschel Walker's family. Uh, but let's first, before we get into that, let's talk about Christian Walker because he is a, a social media influencer. He's 23 year old. So he's an adult son of Herschel Walker. He is also the son of Cindy Grossman, who is Herschel Walker's ex-wife and also um, one of the women who has accused him of trying to hurt her. Her voice is kind of everywhere in Atlanta. If you, you can't turn on a TV or a radio in Atlanta, it seems, without hearing an ad boosted by Senator Raphael Warnock's campaign featuring footage of her from an interview about 15 years ago talking about how Herschel Walker threatened to choke her, pulled a gun on her, uh, threatened to hurt her and her loved ones. Yes, and it's not just uh, Raphael Warnock's campaign. It's a number of uh, outside Democratic groups as well pouring millions of dollars into this message about Herschel Walker's past of abuse of his former wife. There are also other allegations of abuse substantiated by police reports from the time he was living in Dallas. But I would say he's been able to pretty well inoculate himself mostly from those ads by saying that this dated back to a time when he was suffering from a mental illness and that he he's talked very obliquely about um, seeking treatment for that mental illness and that all of that is in the past. However, I was starting to hear from Republican operatives, uh, senior Republicans as well around the state saying, you know, those Democratic ads are really starting to land. We're a little worried right now because that Cindy Grossman ad is really tough. It's very effective. It's her own words and describing just a really terrifying situation with Walker. Um, his response has been, hey, I, I had a mental illness. That's all over. But when Herschel Walker's own son, Christian, now has stepped forward to say everything that his dad has been saying in this campaign, including about his mother, is a lie. One thing Herschel Walker has also said is that, hey, Cindy and I are the best of friends. We are the best of friends. Her husband and my wife, we all still talk to each other. We get together. We are very close. How could this be true? You know, how, how could anything lingering, um, how bad could it have been if we're friends now? Um, that's essentially been his message. Christian Walker didn't say which part of, of his campaign has been a lie. He just said all of it has been a lie. And it just unleashed this torrent of emotion. It's incredibly hard to watch, to be honest with you, because these politicians all have family members who never asked to be a part of this situation. Christian Walker actually said that his entire family asked Herschel Walker 
not to run because they know of his past, at least some of his past, but he decided to run anyway. And this is also what Republicans here in the state have really been worried about. They didn't know what was out there about Herschel Walker. They just knew they didn't know everything about Herschel Walker. And it has been this, it was like a drip, drip bomb is what happened today. There was this concern that he was this ticking time bomb, you know, if we can continue that analogy, that metaphor, I should say. They kind of knew what they were getting with him, a guy with Donald Trump's support, with Mitch McConnell's support, who could be a, you know, a powerful fundraiser, who would be a, a reliable Republican vote, who has sky high name recognition. But they didn't know what else they'd get, right? No one really knew. Even, you know, some of his campaign operatives For instance, we know that he wasn't forthright about having uh, several other unacknowledged children that were also reported by the Daily Beast, and that story turned out to be accurate earlier this year. So Christian Walker, you know, he's he's kind of been out there. He's kind of had vague tweets and statements on social media to his hundreds of thousands of followers that could be construed as negative towards his father, or at least alluding towards his father, Uh, but he never really addressed anything forthright. He was never direct with his criticism of his dad until after that Daily Beast story came out and Herschel Walker responded to it on the Sean Hannity show. About the same time, a tweet storm from Christian Walker popped up on screen. And then on Tuesday, he continued uh, venting about his father. Here's what Christian Walker said. We were told at the beginning of this, he was going to get ahead of his past, hold himself accountable, all of these different things, and that would have been fine. Go ahead. He didn't do any of that. Everything's been a lie. Everything's been downplayed. Everything's been cutting corners. The whole thing. And who, who is, whose expense is that at? Me, my mom, as we're chased down by the media, uh, we're, we're terrorized, all these different things. Uh, uh, people are questioning my authenticity. I'm done. It's hard to listen to, Patricia, as you said earlier, because these are people, right? And, and again, just like you mentioned, he didn't ask to be part of it. And in fact, he urged his father not to run. And, you know, you can just tell he reached a breaking point where he's just fed up um, with all this about his father. And in particular, that wasn't in this clip, but he's, he seems particularly upset that, that his father is running on family values when, in his words, his father hasn't been around. His father was out there, you know, going out with other women uh, while leaving his mom home to to raise him and his other siblings and half siblings, so this is you know dirty laundry aired out in public about a month before the November election. Yes, and I cannot tell you how strong that family values message is between Herschel Walker and the conservatives who support him. I've attended several Herschel Walker events and one of the biggest applause lines and what he gets the most response from in the room, you can feel it. He says, hey, you guys are my family. You're my family and my father always taught me to protect my family and I'm going to protect you. And you can see that these people in the audience who do not know him, um, a lot of them are wearing 34 jerseys, they're fans, they're waiting for autographs later, they're waiting for selfies. It means a lot to them that he says your family but then we see this inverse of his actual family is really suffering and it does not add up and are those people in the room going to vote against Herschel Walker Um, I'm sure no I'm sure they will vote for Herschel Walker because they're already on board but the question for uh, Republicans in this state is there are other Republicans and other conservatives who are not there yet with Herschel Walker 
either they can consider voting for Raphael Warnock or they just may not they just may skip that line mm-hmm. on the ballot altogether. This is the Christian Walker piece of this feels really different from anything else I've almost ever seen in a campaign. Yeah. It's not an accusation from Democrats and the Republican spin today has been like, oh, this is another Democratic attack. You know, it's not. I mean, the the abortion story is its own situation, but the the Christian Walker story is very different and very, very difficult to explain away. And look, that is the question that we keep on getting. A, veteran operatives have said they've never seen anything like this, right? This close to an election. Also, we've never seen a candidate quite like Herschel Walker because he has weathered so many other storms. I mean, issues like lying about serving in law enforcement, lying about graduating from the University of Georgia, living in Texas for the last few decades and, and hardly spending time in Georgia before entering the race, you know, giving paid private speeches and very few public speeches, and not to mention, of course, the, the history of violent and erratic behavior. All these issues have come up over and over again in the before the Republican primary, in our coverage, and other media outlets' coverage. And yet, this feels different, right? Because now we have, not only do we have this claim, this, this Daily Report story that has sent the Herschel Walker campaign into turmoil, but now his son's messaging. And we don't know what happens next. I mean, that's the question we keep on getting. Will this sabotage, will this pretty much squelch a level Herschel Walker's campaign? Or will this be another sort of hurdle he overcomes on his way to a very tight finish with Senator Raphael Warnock? I know that I was with Senator Raphael Warnock the other day when this broke, and he did not want to um, dive into it at all. He just said, hey, look, I'm just going to focus on my campaign and my position. And when it comes to uh, the abortion issue, he, of course, supports abortion rights. We've seen an interesting split, Patricia, because we've seen a lot of local Republicans kind of uh, steer clear of Herschel Walker. I mean, Governor Kemp and Herschel Walker were never besties, right? Herschel Walker wouldn't even say whether he voted for Kemp in the Republican primary. They have not campaigned together uh, at all, uh, you know, at the same events, at least on the same stage together this entire cycle. And Kemp, when I asked him in an interview on Monday before the story broke out, and then after the story broke out, he essentially said, hey, I'm focused on my campaign. I'm focused on raising money. I'm focused on building a grassroots operation that can compete with Stacey Abrams. Other Republicans have also kind of steered clear of Herschel Walker saying, hey, he's got a lot of work to do to shore up. But the national Republicans, Donald Trump, the NRSC, the Senate Leadership Fund, all these different GOP groups, the Republican National Committee, they've all doubled down on Herschel Walker. And there's a good reason why they don't have any other choice. He can't, you know, there's no avenue to remove him from the ballot and replace him with another Republican. And Georgia still represents one of their only shots, the GOP's only shots, of flipping the U.S. Senate. They need to do well in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Nevada. There's not too many avenues they can follow in order to flip the Senate. The math there is really tight for them. Yeah, I think it's those local Republicans that are much more important than the national Republicans. Um, The national Republicans... Who, honest, okay, frankly, they have no clue. <laughs> like, they don't know what people are saying here in the state. They're not in touch with these grassroots voters, and they're not in touch with the county chairman. They're not in touch with just regular Republican voters and voices. The local Republicans are. They know what they're. They know the calls they're getting. They know the texts they're getting. They know the conversations they're having in their own offices and their own homes, and they are being careful. And behind the scenes, they're frustrated. Some of them are angry. 
angry. They feel like uh, this has not been assertively, proactively managed by Herschel Walker and the Walker campaign. He's never really detailed the kind of treatment that he did have in the past. He's never spoken in any detail about what kind of mental illness he was dealing with. And he's never addressed the allegations against him from Cindy Grossman. They're not allegations. It's actually they were sitting next to each other talking about it. It's not mm-hmm. allegations. It's mm-hmm. a reality. He's never denied he's, them. He's never denied them. And he's never explained them uh, since he got into this Senate race. And other Republicans here in the state say he could have done so much more to get in front of this because voters forgive people. And they already liked Herschel Walker. And they're leaning forward to try and help him get to the finish line. But if voters feel like their candidate is not being forthright, that he's not being honest, that he's not representing himself transparently, that's a problem. And that is an unforced problem that that is unfolding right now. You know, it's always baffled me. Our colleague, Shannon McCaffrey, and I wrote a story about this a few weeks ago. Every time we asked him about, you know, to address Cindy Grossman, address these allegations head on, he dodges. And he says he's been transparent about it in the the past. And then he wrote a book about it. He wrote a 2008 memoir. But that memoir does not have anything to, you know, does not mention at all any sort of specifics, details about the abusive relationship he had with Cindy Grossman and, and other women who have made similar claims in public and in court documents about Herschel Walker. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the political insiders at the AJC. We're also two of the authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning. If you're a subscriber to the AJC, you can join the community this very moment by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Patricia, of course, Herschel Walker news was maybe the biggest story uh, so far of the week, but so much else is happening in Georgia politics. We haven't even, we won't even have time to get into some of the campaign finance numbers that we'll get into later on this week. But we have to talk about Stacey Abrams because she is trying to rebound from a pretty rough week, uh, not nearly as rough as Herschel Walker, but a rough week herself. There was some national media attention that wasn't positive about her campaign. The Washington Post had a particularly scathing fact check of her decision not to concede her election in 2018. Uh, more polls came out showing her with a uh, pretty decent-sized deficit behind Governor Brian Kemp, seven, eight points in several of the polls. And most importantly, and most significantly, I should say, Fair Fight Action, the voting rights group that she founded, 
after her 2018 defeat. It promptly filed a far-reaching lawsuit challenging all sorts of Georgia uh, voting policies. And a federal judge appointed, we should add, by former President Barack Obama, so a Democratic-appointed federal judge, tossed out the challenge after years, after about three and a half years of arguments. And Republicans saw it as a pretty decisive victory over Stacey Abrams and really kind of renewed attacks over her stance on voting rights. Yeah, I mean, she had a a horrific week last week, and it seemed almost the worst week you could have until until this week got going for Herschel Walker. And that's actually worse. However, for Stacey Abrams, let's put her front and center right now. I actually have been planning to write my column about Stacey Abrams and the week that she had last week because it was so damaging because her credibility on voting rights in particular took some really important hits last week um, with the Washington Post fact check that essentially called her an election denier, not so different from Donald Trump, then with the fair fight decision that came down from an Obama appointed judge, as you said, dismissing all four counts from that fair fight suit that came down. Also, again, the judge saying that the election system in Georgia may be um, not perfect, but it's also not unconstitutional, as was alleged. It also doesn't violate the Voting Rights Act, as was alleged. And so you had these one, two, three situations that just for her, she just can't get any lift off in her campaign. And then for her, kind of the, the strongest point in her brand, this champion for voting rights, for just to get dinged and sort of donged. I mean, it was two, two big hits last week. Not helpful for her at all. She's really just trying to get some clear space to get some momentum going as election day starts to race toward her. And it's been really, really hard. I think they're also working very hard to get some momentum on the abortion issue. Democrats, I can tell you, feel this in their bones, that this is an existential moment for them, for their campaigns, and for the issue of abortion. And they're having a really hard time connecting on that with more voters than you would expect, more than Mm -hmm. just the Democratic base voters. And they're still looking for a path to do that. And last week's press week for Stacey Abrams really kept them off message. It just put more attention on areas that she she wants to focus. It's just not the kind of attention that she wants when it comes to voting rights. And I think we all know voters who might be like this, but I was just talking to a voter in Sandy Springs who said, look, I don't like Kemp's stance on abortion. I don't like his stance on guns, but everything else I like. So she's sort of a, a middle-aged, college-educated uh, white woman who plans to vote for the governor, but certainly voted against Donald Trump. And probably, I didn't ask her, but probably voted uh, for Stacey Abrams in 2018. So that, in a nutshell, uh, encapsulates some of Stacey Abrams' problems. But she's also you know, shifting her message. She entered this week with a new TV campaign ad that uses the moniker Kickback Kemp. You know, she's been calling Governor Kemp extremist and dangerous for a long time. I don't know if that's working as well as her campaign wanted it to. Um, and so now they're they're going at a different angle saying that he has benefited uh, from his, uh, personally benefited and his friends have benefited from his time in office. And one of the stories they cite is a, a lot of our coverage on Kemp's personal finances, which you can read at AJC.com to get all sorts of, we wrote it something like a 2000 word story on it. So <laughs> it's very long. It's extremely long important. <laughs> very important. It's very fun to write all those financial pieces. <laughs> he says dryly. Um, Patricia, before we jet, I also want to talk quickly about a column you wrote recently too, about the latest moves by the so far failed Buckhead cityhood movement, which of course went down in flames earlier this year. 
Bill White and a lot of his allies who are being kind of ignored and vilified in the Capitol, even by Republicans. I mean, they're, they're almost pariahs. He's trying to basically recruit more lawmakers who owe him something. And he's helping some Republican candidates in the Buckhead area uh, run for public office. Yes. One of the many strikes against the Buckhead City effort during the legislative session was that every lawmaker from Buckhead and the Buckhead area and the city of Atlanta opposed the idea of Buckhead Cityhood. So you had lawmakers from Chickamauga and Alpharetta zooming in to say, oh, I have a great idea. Let's split Atlanta into two. Um, There are about a million other complications with that idea, but just the, the root issue of having nobody in Buckhead agree that it was a good idea to move that piece of legislation doomed it from the absolute beginning. I had a lunch with Bill White about a year and a half ago at the OK Cafe in Buckhead, literally under the money tree. And uh, yeah. he said, hey, listen, if, if these lawmakers don't get on board, I'm going to recruit people who will. And I was like, OK, you know, but lo and behold, here we are. And uh, Bill White has endorsed three potential lawmakers through Republicans running for two running for state house, one running for state Senate in the Buckhead area, as well as state Senator Burt Jones running for Lieutenant governor. He has endorsed those candidates is raising money for those candidates. Uh, they don't exactly put Buckhead city front and center on their campaigns. No, I'll tell you that all. they, and they were not recruited directly by Bill white, but they have said, well, I would be open to that vote. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are stronger on it than others. A candidate named John Bailey in particular really articulated a lot of very specific reasons why he has what sound like, you know, very sincere concerns about his neighborhood. Others don't even have Buckhead City on their mailers. They're not even mentioning it. But Bill White is nonetheless raising money. And I think if you did get into a legislative session, it would be different if you had some lawmakers from Buckhead who actually would like to see Buckhead Cityhood get at least a vote on the ballot. Would it make it happen? I don't know, but it would make it a lot easier than it was the last time around. Yeah, Bill White's got some bigger problems than just a handful of lawmakers, too. He needs some legislative leaders. And you mentioned he, he backed Burt Jones. But I can tell you how Speaker David Ralston came out forcefully against the plan earlier this year. And Governor Kemp, even though he was kind of uh, you know neutral on the idea, I don't think he'll forget how closely tied Bill White was to his primary opponent, former Senator David Perdue. So we will be watching that issue. That's all the time we have for today's show. Coming up on Friday's episode, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. Shani B is monitoring it day and night with an entire team of young recruits. Uh, I think we've we've promoted a few of them past the internship phase, but that's how I started. So it's great to see you guys, you hiring some There is some no labor staffers. shortage on the Shaney B team. No labor shortage. You have never seen a bigger team of more dedicated folks in your life. Uh, I did. It's, it's been great hearing from so many of you listeners out there. I was at, when I was at Warnock's event, Three different people came up to me, and not only did they say they love the podcast, but they showed me how they've programmed in the Politically Georgia hotline into their phone. So I said, well, now you just got to start calling it. So bring it on. You can call it too. You can even program it into your phone. Leave a question, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. We can't wait to hear from you. 
Well, thank you for spending some of your time with us on the Politically Georgia podcast, wherever you're listening from. You can count our new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, whenever news breaks. And don't forget to rate us. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.